0: Again, it's Ephesians 5, um, verses 8 through 16. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to, especially at this time of year, um, with the Christmas tree up and everything, one of the favorite things that I like to do is to go um, have a cup of coffee, go into uh, my dark living room with the Christmas tree lights on, and sit in that peaceful darkness and think, pray, and just just be. I absolutely love that. It just kind of is enveloping, and I just love to do it. Well, a few years ago, I was doing just that, thinking my thoughts in the blissful darkness with the twinkling lights, feeling very, very good. When my husband walks in, turned on the light, And to my horror, my peaceful bliss in an instant was turned into great despair as I looked around me and saw the incredible mess of my living room. (laughs) This was oddly enough, oddly enough, quite traumatic because just a few seconds before I was in my good thought zone and the light came on and the mess was exposed. And if you're like me, your mind automatically goes from the peacefulness to all the things that you have failed to do or that you still have to do, and ugh, it just completely ruined the moment. And as I thought about this, you know, over time, because it was um, such an incredible difference, um, the juxtaposition of those two images of peaceful darkness, that bliss, and then all of a sudden having the mess, the the light just shining on the mess. It really made me think of my and then our spiritual condition because there is a lot to compare there. Because sometimes the darkness can feel peaceful. Um, We've all heard the sayings, ignorance is bliss, and what you don't know won't hurt you. Or, I love this one, knowledge is suffering. Have you ever had something that you wish you just didn't know, because now that you know it, it's like, uh. We as Christ followers, and as such, the light of Christ is in us, and Jesus flips the light of our spiritual darkness and illuminates the mess, the brokenness, and the things that Or within us that may not quite align to who he is. And it's kind of, do we like that? It's kind of uncomfortable, isn't it? It feels like, though, as Christ followers, that this shouldn't be. That we should have it all together all the time. That if we don't, somehow, we have failed as Christians. We have failed as those followers of Christ. If we have portions of our lives that are broken or messed up, it causes us sometimes to be prideful because we want to handle things. Because after all, if we, if we expose them, then other people will know. And then they'll think that maybe we're not quite as Christian as they thought that we were. You see, it's just kind of a kind of a mess. And we think that other people, the non-believers, live the messy lives, but not us. We have it all under control, or we pretend that we do, and we just don't want to share those broken, messy bits with others. And this is us sitting in the darkness. Uh, You know, I think of that and it seems just so discouraging, but um, I don't want you to be discouraged because if you've read through the Bible, and I know that you all have, that you know that brokenness and messiness and God's people that he loved greatly um, are just like us. We have Adam and Eve. They deceived and disobeyed God. We have Noah, who was known to have a bit of a drinking issue, Abraham lied, Sarah laughed at God, Rahab was a prostitute, David um, committed adultery, and then murder. Naomi was bitter, and Martha worried too much, and I really, really, really can identify with Martha in that. So messy lives filled with sin is who we are and why we need Christ. Ignorance is not bliss, not with Jesus anyway, the mess in our lives is more than just a messy room. It is sin, hopelessness, despair, maybe unforgiveness, unrepentant sin, hurt, pain. And sometimes it are, they are things that are catastrophic to us, like illness or, or tragedy. And it seems sometimes to, to be comfortable and stay in the dark, to go back before we knew But Christ illuminates the mess in our lives for a purpose, to see how we will react to it. I know many, many years ago when I rededicated my life to Christ and and I was, you you know, doing all the, oh God, I just want you to, you know, all of that. One of the things that I noticed almost immediately in those first, especially a couple weeks to a few weeks after I did this, was this constant, you know, in the back of my mind, kind of pointing out all of these things that I was doing wrong. All of these things, and I thought, you know, well, Jesus, you know, I I gave my life to you. Why does it feel like I'm trying to take a half a step forward and you're pushing me back 20 paces here? You know, I keep seeing more and more how I have fallen short. And praying through that, I realize it wasn't um, Jesus doing that because he hated me. He was illuminating my mess because he loved me. He was showing me what these, um, these uglies in my life were so I could do something about it. He wanted to see what I was going to do, how I was going to react to it. He forces us to see things that we don't want to see or um, acknowledge or deal with. He forces us in the midst of our horrible, messy lives to see just what we believe about Him and who we trust. He forces us to face our beliefs. I'm sure many of you have, have been through a time or maybe, you know, are going through a time now when, when things have just become too heavy. And and you're like, well, does God really love me? If he did, why would he have let this or this or this happen in my life? Do prayers really work? We may ask ourselves, um, do we really truly believe that God is going to provide? Yeah, we know that he says that he will. But do we truly believe that he is going to provide, especially when we in our humanness can see absolutely no way out of a particular situation. Then in our honest answers to ourselves, we can see if we have been living to the truth of what God says, or if we're a fraud, that we say one thing, probably even post scripture on Facebook or whatever, but we believe something completely different, because that's how we're acting in completely different ways. My mom always said one of the hardest things to do in life was being absolutely, totally honest with yourself. That is is so hard to do to be honest with ourselves. There is nothing in the world that makes us see more clearly in what we believe than a misfortune, a tragedy, or some kind of upheaval in our lives. When we are hurting, in pain, and at the bottom of a deep, dark pit, we come face to face with what we believe about God. It affects our theology. Do we believe what Jesus says? Do we believe like we always believed? Or do we just think that we do? Does it, did it change how we believe? Because I have many, many friends that have gone through horrific things in their life, and it completely, they thought they were standing firm here, but it completely flip-flopped them, and, you know, they don't believe the way that they believed before. It affects how we view God. A messy life is one powerful way that rouses our great need for God in our life, and it helps us see our need to be dependent on Him on him. Um, Messiness, I think, shapes our character, shapes who we are, and ultimately, um, my belief is, at least in my life, that it draws us closer to God, because it is when we are drowning in that mess, when things seem to just be so bad, is when we find ourselves calling on his name. We are told over and over again in scripture to turn our brokenness, to turn our anxiety, our mess, our worry, our fear, our problems over to Jesus. First Peter reminds us, "Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you." Have you really intentionally tried to do that? Because it's difficult. It's very, very difficult. At least at first, when we're first trying to do this, uh, I think that's where many of us, as Christ followers, may may we might forget to do this. You know, because we're already doing our thing, we forget that. You know what? These problems that are overtaking us, you know, we can give that to Jesus. So, what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, for me, it is literally asking Jesus to take over. It is me on my knees saying, yeah, I can't do this. You know, you're going you're gonna to have to help me out or I'm going to fail. Or if it's in desperation, it's crying out to God, um, you know, please, 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 please help me. Because I can see no way out of this situation. It's also asking uh, Christ to take over my mindset, you know, because if it's with somebody, maybe a neighbor or a friend or somebody that you love, or maybe it's some kind of thing that's, you know, um, even bigger than that, I might be thinking this way, and other people may be thinking this way, they think they're right, I think I'm right, and it's like, God, you take over my mindset, you help me for one, to see them through your eyes. And then you help me take this issue that I'm dealing with and help me see it through your eyes. Let me, show me the correct way. Show me the scripture. Put somebody in my path. Let me see it the way that I need to be seeing it. Change my thoughts to line up with your thoughts. Take control of the situation. Oftentimes I'm like, you know, Jesus fix the situation. You know, heal this person. Do this or do that. And then I realize that here, once again, the control freak in me is trying to tell God how to deal with my problem. Like if I'd have known how to do it to begin with, I'd have taken care of it. But ultimately, it's just saying, you know, God, take care of this. I can't do it your will, not mine. That is a very difficult thing to do because the truth of the matter is is that we might have our image of how we would like this to go, the solution, and oftentimes it is so far removed from what we want. But remember that God loves you, that he has your great care and your, the purpose that he has for you in his mind at all time. When we hand over the mess, something takes place in the spiritual realm that allows God to begin to work on on, on the problem. It brings glory to God because we have acted in obedience, and remember that scripture said, to do what pleases Jesus. So it pleases him when we acknowledge that He is more and that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and we give this problem to him. It brings glory to God because we exalt him in his desire and will for us in our situation rather than staying in the dark, trying to do it our way, and allowing the enemy to reign. There is power that has been injected into the mess when you hand it over. And I just say, hang tight, stay strong and faithful and know that God is working on your behalf, even though you don't feel it, even though when you prayed you didn't hear that choir of angels singing behind you, um, even though you don't see anything happening, you just keep on lifting that up in prayer. And I promise you that God will move in your life. Now, you might be thinking, and I um, used to uh, uh, have a youth group and have these young people say, yeah, but Monica, you don't know what I've done. And I sit there and look at these young lives and thinking, how in the world could someone so young even be thinking that their sin and that their brokenness is so big that um, God can't take care of it? So you too may be thinking, oh, you have no idea what I've done in my life. I don't, but God does. There is no mess that is so big that Jesus can't handle. He can can handle it all. There's no sin so great that he's not going to forgive you. You can't run so far that his love won't reach you and his mercy won't reach you. He loves you. And there is no mess that is too small for Jesus. You know, if you're having issues with your checkbook or, you know, that money just isn't going quite as far or you can't find the perfect Christmas gift or... Honestly, when I can't find my car keys or my phone, which is quite often because I'm kind of a chaotic, messy person, but... I honestly, you know, Jesus, you're going to have to help me get this together. I've got to go. Help me find those car keys. I mean, there's nothing too big or too small that Jesus isn't concerned about because he loves you. He is faithful and he meets us right where we are. And I have to say that this is one of my favorite things, attributes, the favorite Um, warm fuzzy that I have from Jesus is that he doesn't wait for us to be perfect. You know, we might say, I don't know um, if anybody, you know, I've, because my house is always in such a state of chaos, I often say, I'm going to hire someone to come and clean. And then I think, no, I can't, because then I'd have to clean before they come to clean, because I don't want them thinking that, you know... And, and, and sometimes I think in our, in, our, in our walk with Christ that we feel the same way. Well, I'll ask Jesus in when I get this because I don't really want him to see that I've lost control. And, you know, that's not the way that it works. We don't have any benchmarks or milestones. We don't have to try and be worthy for Christ to move into our lives and move into our situation He's coming up to meet us, remember? He went to the woman at the well. He's coming toward us. You know, we don't have to race out to try and catch him or get him on a good day or, uh uh-uh. He's right there in the middle of the mess. He doesn't make us meet anything specifically. He is on it right now. He doesn't expect our lives to be perfect or even the mess cleaned up before he shows up because after all, he's Jesus Christ. And if our mess was always always so good and our lives so perfect, then he would have died in vain. He died because he knows that we're messy, broken people and that we need him. And it's so beautiful to think that he is right there where you are without jesus christ jumping right in the pit with us we would be overcome with the guilt and shame and brokenness and pain and fear and worry and etc cetera, etc cetera. the list goes on his mercy and grace is always so abundant and so tenderly given right when we need it most he is faithful and will never fail us Our scripture reference in Ephesians tells us, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. When we take purposeful, intentional steps toward Christ, exposing our mess and leaning on Jesus to help clean it all up, like uh, repentance, forgiveness, losing the guilt, that's a hard one for us to do, isn't it? And mostly just giving it all to Christ, then we become a light for Christ. We will forever be changed because then we know that Jesus is faithful. I bet every single one of you sitting here has had a moment when you have cried out, to Jesus and he has come through and you know that you know it you know it you know it you know it it's that hope that is you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has got this when you know that then you become the light then you're able to share that with other people we're told Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This verse is encouraging us to armor up, put on that armor of God, strengthen ourselves in Christ through intentional spiritual disciplines, such as, I've already said, repentance, repent of your sins, forgive other people, pray, think, and meditate on his word. It helps us to keep our mind refreshed on who he is and who we are to him. Once you are firm in how to handle your messy lives, then you're going to live wisely. At least you'll know a little bit quicker next time, yeah, I learned from the last time I need to go ahead and give this to God. And once we realize how powerful Christ is in our mess, then we are able to shine that light and pass it on to others. Christ showing up in our mess gives us the know and the courage to give off that light to others. I don't know, but I would suspect that many of you have been through issues and it has come from a godly person that has said, I'll pray for you, or This is what I did in XX situation, and maybe it will help you too. Every one of us has been encouraged, or I hope that we have been encouraged, by a godly believer who has been there and is trying to help us find our way. Jesus expects a response from us to share that light. He says, live as children of light for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Acknowledging that everyone, including the grouchy cashier or the person that pushed past you or cut you off in traffic, that every single person that you will come in contact once you leave those doors is going through something, that every single person out there is, is broken and in need of Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing to help someone who is suffering. I really can't say other than for my own self, just keeping tight with God, just constantly just reading that scripture. If you've got an issue, look it up, find out what God says about it and pray about it. Pray for, the, for your friends. Pray when these joys and concerns come up pray for these situations. Because with Jesus' help, you can, this is cliche, but I love this saying, with Jesus' help, you can turn your mess into a message and share the light of Jesus Christ with the broken people around you. There's a quote, and I want to finish with this, by L.R. Nost. And he says, do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things break. And all things can be mended, not with time, as they say, but with intention. So go, love intentionally, extravagantly, and unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in you. Amen and amen. Let us pray.